Cindy Burns' husband died 11 years ago. She now dedicates her life to helping other widows and widowers through grief and to finding their new purpose. On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, Finding Light After Loss, Coaching Widows Towards Happiness and Fulfillment. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. Joining me on this episode is Cindy Burns, who is a grief doula, life purpose, life coach, and a happiness coach. Cindy guides widows through grief to find their new purpose so they can live a full and rewarding life. Cindy, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the beginning. How did you decide to want to start coaching the widowed? Well, um, I started out wanting to find my own life purpose after my husband died. You reach a point when you lose your husband, you lose or wife, you know, you lose your spouse, you lose half of yourself. You've become a whole over the years and then half of you is gone. And it's very, it's very jarring to suddenly not know who you are anymore. You don't expect it. Nobody tells you that about that part of grief. You know, you've got all the, the stages of grief, but nobody tells you about the part where you don't know who you are anymore. And I had reached a point in my life where I was entering the empty nest stage. So I wasn't a wife. I wasn't really a full-time mother. Um, I was gearing up to retire from my job. So I didn't have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And it was um, that did not help the grief process at all. So I went online to see... You know, just you go to Dr. Google, right? right. <laughs> Dr. Google. And um, I typed in, you know, life purpose. And up came life purpose coach. So I looked at a couple of the courses and I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. And uh, the first course I took was to be certified as a life, life purpose coach, figuring even if I don't do anything with it, at least it'll help me. And it did. It helped me and it helped me determine that what I wanted to do, what I needed to do was to help other people who were in my situation. And um, kind of snowballed from there. So when you say people in your situation, what have you seen working with widows and widowers? What, what, what do they all seem to all have in common? The very first thing um, most widows and widowers mentioned to me as a feeling of guilt. It seems to affect all of us, whether, you know, if they were in a car accident that had nothing to do with us, we weren't there, you know, you still feel guilty because, oh, maybe, you know, if I'd asked him to go to the store instead of, you know, on his way home from work, it wouldn't have happened. We all play this if or woulda, shoulda, coulda game. And, Again, guilt is not one of the usual stages of grief that we hear about. Right. So overcoming that is a big is a big step. It's a huge step to overcome that. Or to even accept, you know, our role in what happened. Right. And so how do you address the fear and uncertainty that widows often experience about the future? 
Well, one thing I do is to help them. I, I go in, um, it's a several step process. And the first step is to help them with their self-esteem and build their confidence back up again. Because as I said, you know, when, when you're only half, your self-esteem takes a hit and your confidence takes a hit and you're, you're at a loss. You're really kind of lost. So I help them figure out who they are, you know, and, uh, and have, have the confidence to step into that role. Yeah. Well, what, what are some of the, when you said that guilt is probably you know, one of the common things that they all have in common. So with the guilt probably comes a lot of challenges. What are the challenges that they, that they face and, and how do you overcome them? Well, as far as guilt is concerned, they have to learn to forgive themselves. And they also have to realize that what's done is done. For me, what helped was knowing that I'm a bit of a, a geek. So I, I can, I realize that I don't have a time machine. I can't go back into the past and change things. So I, I can accept things the way they are now and then move forward with that knowledge. And that's a hard thing to do. Acceptance is a hard, is a hard step to take, but we all need to do it at some point. Yeah. So I help, I help them learn to accept what's happened and forgive themselves for any role they may have played in what happened. But even if the, the guilt that comes on, even if it, you know, had nothing to do with them in terms of, you know, there was a, you know, a disease uh, mm -hmm. like cancer or something like that, they, they, there's still the feeling of guilt. Oh yeah. Yeah. My husband died from lung cancer. Um, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer on mother's day, 2011. So that was may he'd been coughing, not terribly, but he'd, he'd developed a cough since October, the previous October. And he didn't tell the doctor that he kept going to the doctors because he just, he was tired all the time and he had, um, low grade fevers and the doctor kept telling him, Oh, it's the flu. Well, the flu doesn't hang on for a month. Right. So my guilt stemmed from if I'd only gotten him to the doctor sooner, if I'd only insisted he go to the doctor, if I'd only gone with him to his appointment to tell it, because that's what happened was I went with him to an appointment and, you know, the doctor did all, you know, listen to his lungs and everything. I said, D did he tell you that he's been coughing for since October? Oh, no, he didn't tell me that. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, my, my guilt stemmed a lot from that. If if only I had done things a little bit differently. Right. And so having that feeling that, you know, widows and widowers will go through, there's got to be some point where you have to, self-care comes into play in terms of the healing journey how do you how do people start the self-care and how long does it take that you you realize that you need to do something to move on with your life well the first step is to get out of bed and that's really hard some days you just want to stay in bed and pull the covers up over your head and maybe hug his pillow because it still smells like him and it's helpful i do have a checklist 
for um, its very basic steps. It's get out of bed, brush your teeth, wash your face or take a shower, get dressed, eat breakfast, make sure you drink water throughout the day. It's very basic steps that we all take for granted. But when we're grieving, we may not, we fall out of our normal habits. Yeah. And you just want to, you know, stay in your pajamas and watch Netflix all day. Yeah. And that's fine once in a while, but it can't be a way of life. And by having a checklist or reminders, that's really, you know, it helps a lot. And not my big thing is to, is letting them know that they don't have to do it alone. If they don't want to, if they don't work with me, then they find somebody, a family family member, a good friend, um, a clergy person, somebody that they can turn to when they're really, really in the depths of it, that they can talk to who will just listen, because that's all they really need at that time is somebody to listen and validate what they're feeling. Is that where a lot of times people won't, they, because they, I, well, I know I didn't, I haven't lost a partner, but I know losing a parent and going through the grief and, and, and you're right, some days you just don't want to get out of bed. But is there some point where you, like in your case, what, what was the turning point for you to say, you know what, I need to sort of, I don't want to use snap out of it, but to, you know, get moving, to, to get out of bed, to brush your teeth, to do all of those things that, you know, people take, to granted, take for granted until something like this happens. What was a turning point? Does does it take? Where does it? Where does? Uh, or what does it take for someone to say, "Need I need help? I need to do something." Well, sometimes it's a loved one that says something to them. Right. Yeah, you know, says you know, and unfortunately, sometimes it's said in the terms of you know, you need to get over this, and there's no getting oh. over. But um, it's meant well, you know. They mean well, but it. The, comes out wrong but it also clicks something in your brain saying oh well you know maybe i do need to at least you know and I, I need help or i need to stop pitying the you know the pity party and and all um for me there was not really a turning point i didn't really hit that my story is a little bit different um shortly after my husband died he died in August and by that October things with we had six sons and they were all adults except the youngest was just graduating just entering his senior year of high school a couple of them had things going on where you know I dropped everything and I went and, and stayed with them for weeks or months with one son it was years um so it didn't really hit me that you know I I had purpose during those times, it was to help my my children. And then they didn't need me anymore. They got their lives together. Things were okay. And it was about six years in. And that's when I realized, okay, there's, I've got nothing anymore. You know, I don't, nobody needs me. And I'm the kind of person that needs to be needed. Right. And I think many of us are. And that's what did it to me. I realized that um, that I was in a depression. 
And I talked to my doctor and I, I, you know, saw a therapist and that helped a lot. But what really helped was coming up with a purpose, coming up with a reason to get out of bed. I tried other things. I tried things like, um, well, I joined an art club, which was ridiculous because I can't draw stick figures. <laughs> I had no business being in that club. <laughs> um, but, but, I, but, I, even, but even drawing stick figures and being around other people, did that yeah. help? Yes, I think I think a lot of what I was trying to do was find some um, companionship. Right. Because the loneliness. I, two of my sons lived with me, but you still feel the loneliness of adult companionship, somebody to talk to. And I think that was the main reason I was doing it. I tried um, some direct sales companies, and I'm not a salesperson at all. <laughs> not at all. I was terrible at it. So you, you, so you can't draw stick people. You can't do sales. What is it? That, <laughs> so is that what led you to become a grief grief uh, doula? The life, the grief doula is a recent thing. Um, but I becoming a life coach. That one of my sons said, you know, when I mentioned it to him, he goes, you know what? You've been doing that all your life with us. So, you know, and parents do, you know. Right. And, um, yeah, he said, you'd probably be good at that. And turns out I am pretty good at it. So, well, And that's yeah. how you ended up here, having this conversation. Yep. So you said recently that becoming a grief doula was, was uh, something that you added to your toolbox, so to speak. Tell me what a grief doula does. Well, I was looking for to be certified as a grief coach. And I really wasn't finding what I was looking for out there. And I happened across this um, company that does, they certify for end of life doulas, death doulas and grief doulas. And I'd already, I, I really wasn't sure I could do the end of life or the death part. I'd been through that with my husband and with my mother and you've got to be a really strong person to help others through that. Right. Um, my zone of genius comes in after with the grief. And that's what a grief doula does. It um, just kind of help eases you through the, the first days or weeks or even months of your grief, letting you know that what you're feeling is normal. It's a support because a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have support when they're grieving. You know, they don't have the family. Maybe they don't have the friends. You know, the friends kind of distance themselves a lot of times when you're grieving because part of it is death makes us nervous. It makes us uncomfortable. And that's part of what I'm what I'm hoping to do by going on podcasts, and I've started a podcast of my own, is to get us talking more about death and grief and making it not so scary so that we can all be there for our friends and family who are going through a hard time. It's funny you should say that because, I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm into year three of doing this, you know, talking to people like you and... I've had uh, end of life doulas on and I call them angels and you've just joined the angel club because you're another on the other side, helping with grief. So you're an angel as well. That did you want to 
do that to help others going through such the most, probably the most painful time in someone's life. But when you're saying about friends and people being afraid of talking about death, it's, it, you know, I, I've seen people go through it. I know people that have gone through it. And even when they would uh, approach me, they don't know what to say. And you're right about that. But then I come to the realization is that, you know, well, they're making it about them and how they feel. Whereas you need to step up and whatever your fears might be, I need to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, again, it could be the, the problem of talking about dying. I'm not looking to pass away anytime soon, but I'm, 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 I'm afraid of it, but I know it's going to happen. But I hope that, you know, for my partner, Susan, when, if I'm, when I'm gone, that somebody will be there to help her through and not make it about them, that they can help her as much as, as possible. What should people say? Um, or how can they be of help to somebody who's going, you know, you know, encounter someone who's a widower or a widower? What can they do? Instead, everybody says, if you ever need anything, give me a call. Well, instead of doing that, come up with something. Would you like me to come over on Tuesday and cook for you? Um, or can I just bring over a meal? How about if I come over and help you do, you know, sort your laundry? Just something that's normal and natural that they just might not feel up to doing. If it's if you're that kind of friend where you can just show up and knock on the door, do it. And then once you're inside, you know, fix them lunch or give them, you know, make them a cup of tea help them sort their, you know, do their laundry or their dishes or, you know, mundane chores that they're just maybe not up to doing. But if you're, if you, you want to do that and you're getting resistance because maybe they're not at the point of getting out of bed, they, they, you don't want to be a pain in the neck, but you know, how, how how do you find, walk that fine line in terms of giving them, them them space, but also knowing that you need that, that human element, that friendship, that someone's going to knock on the door and bring you something. How do you how do you navigate there? A lot depends on your relationship with the person, how well you know them, whether you, you know, force yourself into their lives. Some, some people can, you know, my, my sister-in-law and my niece did that for me. They came, they drove up from Florida to Virginia and just cleaned my house because, you know, they knew there were going to be people coming over and visiting and stuff. And they just they just took care of everything for me. And it was wonderful. But if I'd had somebody say that I barely knew from church or something come over and want to do the same thing, right. I would have felt awkward. But it was family and they knew, you know, it would be okay. If you are just somebody who, who knows them from church or whatever, maybe just call them you know, once a week or so. And just to talk, you know, don't even say, how are you doing? Just say, um, just start talking, talking about something that happened to you or, you know, something you saw or something you read. Um, Maybe you share the love of the same TV show, you know, talk about that. Oh, did you see this? And just, just talk like there's normal. One of the best things anybody did for me while my husband was ill from from May until August, he was in the hospital pretty much the whole time. And I stayed in the hospital with him. And one of my friends brought 
lunch up one day and he happened to have been gone. They took him for another test or CAT scan or whatever. And we sat there and we had lunch and we talked about our kids. That We didn't talk about any illness. We didn't talk about, you know, Dan even. We just, we talked about our kids just like we would have if we gotten together on a normal day right. without none of this was happening. And it was just, it was wonderful. It made me feel normal, even though the, the, the setting wasn't normal. Right. It, it just made me feel like, okay, you know, life still goes on and I, I can handle this. And if you can do something like that for someone, that's wonderful. Is there a, is there a cure for grief in your opinion? No. no. Um, anybody says, if anybody says, tells you that, you know, they can cure you from, of grief, they're pulling the wool over your eyes. Grief eases as time goes on. The the pain of it eases. It's It'll be 12 years in August for me. And this past weekend, I went to Anise's wedding. And it was bittersweet because I know my husband would have loved to have been there. And there were reminders of him. <laughs> One of the big reminders was this was in Boston and there was um, a Grateful Dead concert that weekend. So people were w- walking all around Boston with um, tie-dye shirts on. Deadhead. My husband was buried in his tie-dye shirt. <laughs> I mean, oh, he was... Oh, he was a deadhead. Yeah. Wow. Well, no. Oh, no, no. He just, just like the tie-dye shirts? He was um, a 50-year-old hippie. <laughs> <laughs> He had the long hair, but pulled back in the ponytail. He'd been in uniforms all his life, from kindergarten through to just before he and I met. And then he was in, um, because he was in the Catholic school and then the Navy. And then he joined the police department. So he was in uniform there. So when he finally retired, he kind of reverted back to the 60s and 70s. He really let his hair down. Yeah, he said, I'm going to dress the way I want now. So it just, there were a lot of reminders of him over the weekend and I didn't break down or anything, but it was, it was all, you know, there were moments when, when I wish he'd been there. So and you probably nodded and smiled, but you, you felt, you, did you feel his presence there? You know, when I felt his presence was driving back home, my son was driving and I was, I was on my phone, I don't know, reading email or whatever. And I saw him out of the corner of my eye, you know, his jeans and his arm. And it was just like we used to go on Sunday drives together. And it felt like that. So I felt his presence then through my son. And that I liked it. And it, I could have taken it and turned it into, oh, woe is me. He's not here. But that's not the way I choose to see things anymore. I, you know, I chose to say, okay, you know, maybe that's a sign that he is here. To me. So it was, it was a pleasant, pleasant moment when that happened. What are some of the common misconceptions or myths about grief and widowhood that, you know, you want to get out there into the world? Um, One of the big things is, you know, you don't get over it. You get through it. You don't move on, you move forward. Grief is always going to be a part of you. It's always going to color the way you think and the way you react to things, but it doesn't have to take over. 
one another thing is many people try to bury their feelings. They try to hide it. They don't want to be, um, you know, weeping all the time. That's that's not right. They you need to feel your feelings. You need to accept what you're feeling. You need to you know even name it. You know, okay, this is anger. This is this is guilt. This is loneliness. Whatever the feeling is, acknowledge it, feel it, and then kind of let it go. Don't live in it. Right. It'll come back. I mean, because grief is not linear. Grief is like a, a loop-de-loop roller coaster, and um, and it goes back to the beginning and starts all over again. So um, just recognize that that's going to happen. And that helps to be a little bit prepared for what what you're going to face, but don't don't bury your feelings. That's that's the word. That's what I did for several years, and it came back. And big- by, by burying your feelings, would that help? Would that not help? But would it push you more into a depression, closer to going getting depressed? It it can it can. Um, as I said, you know my my children were all adults in. You know, except my youngest, he was 17. But um, I didn't want my sons to worry about me. You know, they had lives, they had things going on in their own lives. I didn't want to, and they were grieving their father. I didn't want them to have to worry about me in addition. Come to come to realize, I did them a disservice because it would have made them feel better to help me, you know, to be there for me. But I kind of pushed them away that I didn't need them to be there for me. So be aware of that as well. Um, let people help you. Don't push them away. And, and and the people that are that want to help you want to help you. And they're not just doing it um, just, you know, where you're saying, hey, give, give me a call if you need something. If they, they're going to take that extra step to bring you a meal or come and, you know, uh, do your laundry if you're close enough, you know them that well enough, then just accept it. It's going to be hard. Yeah. I get it. I know. Also, a lot of times, like, as I said, you know, the friends back off and it may not even be that they're, they don't know how to deal with the grief. Maybe they think they're giving you space, but are as a widow or a widower, or even if, you know, your parent has died or your child, anytime you're grieving, you're not, you're, your emotions are raw. And when somebody steps back to give you space, you may be taking it as, you know, they're, they're leaving you in your time of need kind of thing. And my mother gave me a piece of advice once that I've never forgotten. And it was the phone works both ways. (laughs) And it's hard to remember that while you're grieving. But if you have a friend that you need to speak with, you can call them. You don't have to wait for them to contact you. Well, that's the, the fine line that um, that I was talking about. You don't want to be too intrusive, and yet you yeah. care about the individual, and you just want to be there for them. Um, maybe just to sit there and listen to them, go, you know, go on about the person that they've lost. Just mm-hmm. shut your mouth and just sit there. Be another person. Yeah. That's that's the fine line to to um, that you know everybody has. If if you've taken on that responsibility that I'm going to be a friend and and be another you and, and care about a human being that you know uh, whether it's a friend or a family member that you're going to help them and if you're going to step up you know 
do it the best way that you can to make them feel comfortable and help them get through it. Cause it's a hard, hard um, thing. People don't know it unless they've gone through it. And I've been through it twice with my parents and uh, it's, it's, it's the worst thing. I know that you've worked with widows uh, or widowers and you've coached them. Have you got like a bit of a success story in terms of uh, helping them navigate their grief and finding my, my very my very first client? Um, we Look at you, together. first out of the gate. You've got the. <laughs> we worked together for about six months and um, just kind of eased up. We were working together every week and then it was every other week and then it was once a month for a few months. And I reached out to her recently to see how she was doing because I hadn't heard from her and she's back in the dating scene and she's doing well and she's she's she said you know of course I have my moments but for the most part you know I'm living my life and then that that was good because she was barely functioning when we first got together so wow. she's my success story great well it's you brought up the the the, the dating scene you know when they're going through what they're going through is it you know disrespectful to be to laugh and be happy and and how long should someone wait to you know go out and be social and date again it's entirely up to the individual i've chosen not to date i mean if if the perfect man came to me you know that would be one thing if god decided to give me you know present the perfect man that would be one thing but i'm not going to go out and actively you know join dating sites and, and that kind of thing. It's just, I don't care that much about, you know, remarrying or even dating, but others do. And when you, when you reach that point and you feel ready, it doesn't matter whether it's been, you know, six weeks or six months or six years. And don't worry about what other people say, because they're not you. There you go. And it is very definitely not disrespectful to laugh my sons and my husband and me to some extent have a dark sense of humor and we can find something amusing in almost any situation and there was definitely laughter at his at his viewing um you know afterwards at the you know funeral and you know they're just even while we were in his room kind of, waiting for him to die you know he was basically comatose and it was just a matter of days and you know there was there was humor that it's the way we cope right and it's it's the way a lot of people cope and if that's you then it's fine you know it's normal it's your way of coping your loved one probably would love it that you're laughing that you're smiling that you're finding some joy in your life it doesn't matter how long it's been or how short it's been is that why you talk about you know your life purpose coach um why should the widow or widower think about it about having a purpose well i believe everybody has a purpose and that purpose can change during different stages of our lives um you know when you're in high school your purpose is to graduate or to get to college or you know get to a trade after high school, have something planned for your future. And then, you know, as you continue, you're hopefully live our purpose, doing something that we love, having a family, 
raising that family, those kind of things can be part of your purpose. It doesn't have to be something, you know, like, oh, I'm going to save the world. That doesn't have, that doesn't mean that's your purpose, but, you know, a reason for you to continue going on. And we lose sight of that when we lose our spouse or even, even a parent that can, that can shake you up and you start to wonder, you know, okay, you know, what's, you start to question your own life. And if you find out that you're not happy in certain things, then that's probably you're not living true to your purpose. I think it's important to rec- to find your purpose and to live true to that. It makes you happier, it makes the people around you happier. It can probably bring some good into the world, you know, because usually a purpose is something beneficial to others. And you'll know when you're when it comes to your purpose, you try different things. Yeah, you just know it, you know, you kind of feel it. It fills you when you think about it and you can't stop smiling <laughs> when okay. you think about doing it. So that means when you were doing the stick people, you didn't have no smiling whatsoever? <laughs> no, I was not smiling. I was laughing at myself, but I wasn't smiling. No, okay, so there was some pleasure. purpose. <laughs> Your bad art brought some purpose. <laughs> In our remote, remaining moments, is there... A message or words of encouragement that you'd you know have for widows that may be feeling lost or hopeless right now? Don't do it alone. That's that's my big thing. Is you don't have to do it alone. Find somebody in your life. Um, go online. There are in Facebook. There are so many widows groups. I have one. It's widows and widowers support group. Finding purpose. If you'd like to join, you can, or you can you know find find a coach coach to work with. Coaches and therapists are different. Coaches help you move forward, whereas a therapist helps you to understand what you're going through and um, possibly, you know, use your past and and all to, to figure out why you're feeling the way you feel. Whereas a coach is more about doing and moving than a therapist is. So you decide which one you need and contact someone. So how can people get in touch with you and find out a little bit more about you and your group and your coaching and other things? Well, my email is cindy at cindyjburns.com. My website is cindyjburns.com. Facebook, I'm Cindy Judd Burns. So you can always send me a Facebook message. So right. I check my messages more often than I check my um, email. So. Okay. Cindy Burns, you're a grief doula, life purpose, life coach, and a happiness coach. You help uh, widows and widowers find purpose again. You don't show them anything about how to be uh, artists and do stick people. Which is <laughs> no, I do not. So, but what I... But I can, if, that's, if that's something that they feel called to do, I can put them in touch with people who can teach them. See, you're a helper. And that's what I was going to say. You're a helper. But in, in my eyes, especially you being a grief doula, you're more of an angel that you'd want to help other people through the most, probably the most difficult time that the level go, go through. And for that, I want to thank you so very much for being here on the show. And I wish you nothing but the best into the future. Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.